What's up, everybody? It's Marsha B, and we're back with another episode of the Introvert in the City podcast. So, uh, September is National Recovery Month, and this has been um, something that has been going for the last 31 years. So, it's in its 31st year, and its primary focus is to raise awareness um, about substance abuse, addiction, and um, to dig detail the different roads to recovery. Um, There's also a heavy emphasis on uh, mental health services because as you can imagine, someone uh, battling addiction, it can really wear and tear on your mental health. Uh, So this episode, we are sitting down with Sabrina Stewart. Sabrina comes all the way from California And she's gonna just give us um, insight on what her journey to addiction, through addiction into recovery was like. Um, I'm so appreciative of Sabrina sharing her story and I'm hoping that her strength can help inspire someone else to explore different recovery options. I also wanted to leave a resource for anyone who is struggling with addiction and would like to explore recovery options, the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration has a helpline, a national helpline, and it is 1-800-662-4357. Once again, that's 1-800-662-4357. I want to give a special shout out to everyone who has overcome addiction, uh, recognizing that it is a daily, daily, daily uh, task. It's, It's something that you work at every single day. So I commend you for you know your dedication to your sobriety and without further ado um, this is me and sabrina stewart thank you guys what's up y'all this is marcia from introvert in the city and i am here with sabrina stewart um sabrina and i actually met in a uh, facebook group and she was celebrating her birthday, and not the type of birthday that you would normally think, and I was sort of intrigued by her story, so I decided to invite her to the Introvert in the City podcast. Sabrina, welcome. Hello, hello everybody, what's going on? Thank you so much, much for having me, I appreciate it. Of course, so I wanna start by asking you to tell us about you, and tell us about the birthday you were celebrating. So, as you said, my name is Sabrina Stewart. Um, I'm from Long Beach, California. Uh, been here all my life. I'm 36 years old. I was actually uh, grew up in Inglewood. If anybody's familiar with Inglewood, um, I had actually just celebrated um, June 1st of 2010. It's my birthday, so I just celebrated 10 years of sobriety from uh, crack cocaine usage. Um, I just been pretty much telling my story in different Facebook groups and raising awareness and letting people know that it's okay to, you know, share your truth. Because once you share your truth, then everything else seems to fall into place and others will follow. Because the most important thing about uh, recovery is support. So I just try to share my story and give as much advice as possible and just let people know that they're not alone, you know? Thank you so much for that. I mean, uh, with September being National Recovery Month, I think that this is such a timely 
um, episode to air just to enable people with the knowledge and the understanding of what it means to be a recovering addict. And I wanted to ask you just my curiosity is that an offensive term to be called a recovering addict? Oh, absolutely not. It's, 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 it doesn't offend me. It just recovering is the act of getting over, is the act of healing, recovering. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's the term that we all use to let people know, you know, there, there is still a struggle out there. Yeah. But as we recover, we, we get better and better day by day, one day at a time, sometimes one second at a time, because it's so critical to take time in the healing process. Yeah, so this so is a... Is, is great. It's a daily process. Correct. Correct. And so tell me a little bit about how uh, your addiction, where it came from, how it started. Well, as for me, I'm going to speak for me because I can't speak for anyone else. Uh, both of my parents were actually addicted, and I was born addicted. Um, it didn't happen until later on in life. Uh, I met my ex-girlfriend, and for me, it was a pure pressure type thing, and I wanted to fit in. Mm-hmm. I, had, I, I had already had some, some pains and was going through some things as a child because of my family environment. So I figured, why not do what I want to do? Let me be grown, as they say, for the, for the time, even though I was a child. So by me being grown and trying to fit in, it led to my addiction. And I couldn't stop. There was no way. It, 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 it progressed so fast. And it was just an escape for me. Did you, what did you start with and what did you end up with? You know, as a child, we are, I mean, a lot of people, they, they, they smoke weed. I smoked weed for a little bit, mm-hmm. but then I, I progressed. I went from marijuana straight to crack cocaine. There was no in-between, you know? So it was just like a big jump between wow. substance, even though it's all substance. But that's what it, it led to. Okay. Okay. And... I guess these are some like taboo questions to ask, but I'm just so curious, like what the first, uh, the first feeling of being on crack cocaine, what was that like? It, (laughs) it was amazing. Honestly, it was the best feeling I could ever feel in my mind. Mm -hmm. That's what I thought. It was like a rush and it lasted it, it didn't even last a good 10, 15 minutes. Wow. But that was the point to continue to chase how I felt the first time. It was like, a, it was such a tremendous head rush. It was, it was something I could, I couldn't even explain, but that was what the goal was to continue to chase that exact same feeling mm-hmm. that I would never get. Wow. So after uh, you started using crack cocaine, I know you eventually ended up in jail. Um, yeah. And so you were in and out of jail for a while. Let's talk about that. Correct. Um, well, my first stint, I did I, as a juvenile because of, I, I would always run away and I stole. 
and that was just juvenile stuff. But as I got older, yeah, I started hitting county, you know, for dumb stuff. You know, sometimes it would be like I would just get arrested just so I would have somewhere to sleep at night, mm-hmm. you know, some food to eat or just to, to relax and, and stop the flow of running around because I couldn't stop. I, had, I, I couldn't go to sleep. I was just constantly, constantly on the go. But um, I did, I, I couldn't even count how many times I've been to county, county jail. Um, I have been to uh, prison twice uh, for Chowchilla in Chowchilla, California, and uh, CRC. And they were both for the same reasons, for carjacking. Mm. That, that was just what I like to do when I get high. I'd like to steal cars. I'd like to rob Johns. I'd like to just do really wild and crazy things. I've been to jail several times for prostitution. Several times. They knew me by first name. They're like, you back again? Like, yeah, mm-hmm. I just got to sleep right now. You know? But it, it's just a, it's a part of the vicious cycle to be in jail. That's just what you do. You go to jail. Yeah. It happens. Sometimes you just don't care. You know, but you need that. I needed that to slow down to rest for me. And so what shifted? Because you're you're young. You're very young. 36 years old um, and 10 years clean. That means that before the age of 26, you've endured a lot. A lot. What I, shifted uh, for you? Uh, you get tired. In your mind, when you have time, when you sit in jail, you actually have time to think about life and what you used to do and what used to make you happy mm-hmm. and life before, you know? So I, I had it straight. I, I had a plan. I laid everything out. But I knew in my mind space in my mind that said they're going to give you $200 when you get out. What are you going to do? So, in my mind, that little itty speck of mischief took over everything. Yeah. And the day that I was supposed to get out, I ended up getting into a fight and they gave me more time. So, as I was sitting there, and I believe everything happens for a divine reason. I have a, my higher power works in mysterious ways. Mm-hmm. But as I was sitting there, I got called and said, you have a visitor. So I'm tripping out like, well, who's coming to visit me? Because when you're an addict like me, I don't want to be found. I don't want to be bothered. I just want to be in my own circle because I think I know everything. Yeah. So I had a cousin that had a officer that worked in the police department and she found me so they were escorting me to the visiting room and they had me in a they put me in a special room and i didn't know why because i've never had a visit before so i'm sitting at the table and then she walks in she doesn't even say anything to me uh, she doesn't say anything the first thing that she showed me was my mother's obituary oh wow now my at that time as I was sitting there, I was trying to do the steps and make amends to everybody that I've heard, that I've wronged, anything like that. So I was trying to call my mom. I was trying to write letters, but everything, the letters kept coming back. The phone was disconnected, so I didn't know what was going on. 
So at that point, in that moment, when I seen that obituary, everything changed. I, I, I already knew at that point, if I couldn't be there for her in death, in life, I have to show her that I'm better than what she once knew. And that's been holding me together this whole time. Wow. So did you go into any programs or it was just like that mindset? Like I have to do this for my mom. Well, when I first got out, I went to a program uh, in Pasadena called the Walter Hogan Home. And it was a Christian-based program. You know, I was there for about, I'd say, eight months. But they kept pressuring me to dress more feminine. Because for me, I'm a lesbian. I guess I would be considered a, a, a butch lesbian. Mm-hmm. So I dress more masculine. So their issue with me was not only my sexuality, but the way that I, I, I dressed. And they kept trying to force it on me. So as I refused, they told me I needed to leave because I wasn't complying with their program rules. Wow. Which I didn't understand. So I left. I, I ended up going to... Also, I've been to SAS and, and Long Beach, but that was prior to the second prison term. And I ended up doing really great, but I relapsed. Mm-hmm. So the last time, I just ended up staying with my aunt, and then I just ended up going to school because I couldn't find a job. And I just kept busy, you know, just so that I wouldn't have too much time to think. Because once you think too much, then you start thinking about the shoulda, coulda, woulda, or the what if. Yeah. Or can I do this? You know what I mean? So the two programs that I did do, they, you know, they were okay. But for me, I had to literally put myself in the middle of the, the storm and see with my own sober eyes what I was doing to myself and what other people are doing at that moment, if that makes sense. Yeah. I'm still sort of shocked. I'm still sort of shocked, or maybe not so much. Um, I'm I'm actually not shocked about the the Christian facility and and them imposing their their views on you. I. It's sad because they can lose so many people just by, you know, their judgment. On someone else's lifestyle and how they dress or how they present themselves, like this is not. A facility to turn everyone straight and sober. It's a, it's for sober people, people who want to become sober and, and and sustain that. So that always that bothers me. Oh, there's so much more. I just that's for a different topic. That's a that's a whole nother that's that's a whole nother ball game. But like I said, my higher power works in his ways. I didn't need to be there anymore. Yeah, I've taken what they taught me and applied it to my daily life. And that was all that I needed to do. That yeah. was it. That was all. And that's, that's, I had to go. That's fine. Yeah. That's fine. Definitely. So tell us about Sabrina now. Like, what has, well, a lot has changed, but what has changed? You talked about um, not being able to find work. And I know that's always an issue um, once someone is, you know, formally, a formerly incarcerated person, like reenters into the community, it's, it's been an issue and there are certain laws that are in place now where 
you can apply for a job and they can't ask if you have a criminal background. Um, they can, they have to give you notice about any type of background checks that they're going to run. And they actually have to allow you to provide any proof or any type of, you know, this is what I did while I was incarcerated. So you can basically defend why you were there if it doesn't affect the standing of the job. So things are shifting into um, being more understanding to that background. Has that affected you? And how are you able to work through that? You know, it, it used to affect me, but it never stopped me from, from working. I would actually just get the jobs that no one really wanted, the ones that I'd have to work 10 times harder, like construction or laborer or something of that nature that, that, um, that I knew that I was able to get into. You know, the, a lot of people, the, the construction workers, they don't care about your background. They just want to know, can you work? Yeah. So once I, I, I got tired of doing that, got tired of being at the bottom, got tired of working 10 times as hard for this amount, a little amount of wages, I just, like I said, I went to school. I never put any of that to use. I don't know why, but I knew I had to have the knowledge and to keep myself busy. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? I worked so hard at the school, I ended up working at the school as a print shop technician. And I stayed there. I had some whole drama there, but like I said, my higher power works in different ways. Um, I actually ended up, uh, my current job, I actually drive for Amtrak now. Nice. Um, and I'm also working on getting my class A because I want more in life. I want a career. I don't want a job. I want something that I'm able to take care of my family. Mm-hmm. Um, I just get married. Oh, congratulations. Married, uh, thank you. I got married on March 3rd of 2018. Uh, been with my wife for almost five years, married too. Um, it's just, everything is just different. I was actually able to purchase my first car or my second car. You know, it, it's just a lot. Once I was able to accumulate and see what my hard work was, you know, was showing for it I just keep going I just keep striving hard higher and higher because I, I'm not gonna let my background affect me yeah um this current job I believe they only went back seven years so I was okay with that but I, I just I never let my felony stop me from doing what I needed to do mm -hmm. yeah because there's so many opportunities out here there's so many employers that will that have incentives for hiring felons there's so many programs, and that I, I just refuse to to settle when yeah. I know that I can do more, that I'm worth more, you know? Well, I, I want to take a moment to celebrate you, and but celebrate you in a way where... Celebrate you in a way where um, I know that you look back on, on your life, you look back on what you've been through, and and what you've accomplished and what you've conquered. And to hear you say, like, I want a career and I want this and I want more for myself and I want to, uh, you know, just create all of this greatness and manifest this life that I deserve. To hear you say that knowing where you once were, being born from two parents who were addicted to drugs, making you addicted to drugs, um, going in and out of foster system, you know, adoption facilities, 
uh, going to juvenile detention centers, going in and out of prison, being addicted to crack cocaine, to now being married with a great job, um, you know, living your best life. I think it's a testament to what the mind can create when you really believe and, and acknowledge your potential as a human being. And so I am so, um, I just want to congratulate you and celebrate you for doing the work to be who you are today and showing other people that it is possible because the only thing standing between a person and making that change is that person. It's the mindset. Like, you could have definitely been like, you know what? I ain't shit. Uh, you know, this, I ain't shit. I don't want to be shit. There's nothing available to me. I'm a felon. There are no jobs out there. No one's going to want me. No one's going to hire me. But but that's not what you said. Right. And the proof is in the pudding. So I, I really want to congratulate you on your 10 year anniversary, your 10th birthday, and I'm wishing you so much more. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Like I said, the number one thing is support. Yeah. Support, is it, it helps so much. When you feel like you're alone, you just like, who cares? And if there's people out there that, that are there to support you, you know, some people, they just can't get that. Yeah. They're, they're being judged. Yeah, absolutely. Some people just want you to listen. Yeah. Is there um, any advice you want to give to anyone who is trying to uh, get back on that road and, you know, the road to recovery and just figuring it out or just uplift themselves? They need something to uplift themselves to, to say, like, I can do this. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just one day at a time, take it one day at a time, find something, find a place, or think in the back of your mind when you used to be happy, and what happened to you prior to this disease, to this addiction. Do something different. Change is amazing. It's scary, but it's amazing. You just need to make sure that you have the support and the foundation, because the, the, the recovery homes, they give you the tools, but you need to make sure that you use them. Share your story. Celebrate yourself. If no one recognizes you, celebrate yourself because you know you're better. You have to believe that you want different. You're tired. You know, life is too short. You're chasing a high that you never get. Never get. And remember, there are people out there that didn't make it this morning. Don't wake up in the morning. Anything can happen. Just make sure you keep your higher power first, regardless of whatever it is. Think about the people that look up to you that you didn't think that watches you. There's always somebody watching you. And think of others being yourself. Don't be selfish. There's people out there rooting for you. Good stuff. Thank you so much, Sabrina. I really appreciate you taking time out of your day to uh, talk to me and my listeners. And I am wishing you the 
absolute best. Thank you so much. I really appreciate uh, the time and you acknowledging me and having me share my story. I just hope it touches somebody somewhere. I think it will. I think it will.